because we elaborate on the doctrine of deliverance as something that's included in salvation, but sometimes people live experientially without the deliverance that Jesus died for them to have. We illuminated that deliverance has multifaceted, um, multiple facets to it. It can be hurts, hindrances, habits. It could be strongholds, things that you got yourself into, or even strongholds from the world. Um, sometimes some of us get in emergency situations and we really need deliverance. And who we said today to um, people, we said in one of our previous sessions that deliverance is Jesus' superpower. Amen. Yeah, um, that's a strong thing, right? You know, I'm all into superhero movies. I am, I am, pray for me. Um, but um, I just glad, I'm glad to know that Jesus has a superpower called deliverance. And when I call on the name of the Lord, I can be saved, all right? So then we've talked about cultivating a desire for deliverance, that you got to want it. God's not going to force deliverance on you if you don't want it. Then you got to put a demand on it by putting faith and corresponding action in it. We've talked about that you might have to do some actions and stay with actions in terms of diligence to walk in your deliverance, right? Um, and then you're going to have to have some disciplines. Discipline is enforced obedience. That uh, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel right, you still got to do right. Amen. Yeah, because there will be a time when your flesh will war against you, particularly if your flesh has been trying to kill you for a long time. Um, it'll fight you because it, it keeps wanting to kill you. You did know that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, you, your flesh is schizophrenic. It'll, it'll try to kill you and then wondering why you dying. So you got you to gotta discipline. Then we talked last week about discipleship, about the pieces of discipleship that have to do with following persons who have freedom in the area you desire and following the principles that go with those persons, right? Uh, in the foundations class, I was talking about um, two of my um, of my mentors slash fathers in the faith and how um, they're elderly gentlemen. And one is, you know, really kind of barely getting around. And the other one is getting his 12,000 steps in before noon. And uh, it really does matter the kind of life and lifestyle. But one has been practicing principles for longer periods of time. I know because he talked to me about them. And so I have to make decisions now. If I want that then, then I need to start the discipleship process to the principles and to the persons. Okay, this man, I look at his life, right? That's why you need compelling examples, all right? And then today, we're gonna introduce that concept um, in our objectives there at the end called um, dominion, that, that God doesn't just want your um, deliverance to be something that you're struggling to keep and retain and maintain. That dominion says that uh, the enemy used to have me in this area, but now I got him. He used to use this against me. Now I'm so strong in it that I can, I can go in this area and then I can stand against him. And not only can I get it done in my life, but I can get it done in your life too. And that's ultimately what God wants you to do. It was interesting 
um, when you read in, um, in the scripture about the life of David and how uh, when David, when David uh, had to face Goliath, the scripture said that he said, first of all, God's going to, um, I'm going to defeat you. And then all the world's going to know that there's a real God in Israel. And then all of Israel's going to know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Because he didn't have none. All he had was a stick, his staff, and some stones. Stick and stones will break your bones. But it was the word that really hurt Goliath. <laughs> it was the word that hurt him. When he opened his mouth and activated his faith and invoked the covenant of his God, the word really hurt him. So the scripture tells us that he hit him, he fell down, and he didn't have a sword on him. So he went up and grabbed Goliath's sword, the sword that he was planning to use against um, David. And, Goliath, and David took Goliath's own sword and cut his, own, cut his head off with his own sword. That, that's dominion. The in, thing that the enemy has been trying to use against you, that you turn around and use it on him. Yes. And then, then the scripture tells us that years later, when he was now in the service and employment to King Saul, and then Saul turned on him, and then he had to go running for his life, he went to a camp of priests and said, hey, is there any weapon here? And he said, there's only one weapon. The sword of Goliath. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that sword. So he said, Let, give me that one. See, the intention is that the weapons that the enemy uses against you, that instead of stronghold doesn't have to be a negative word. When you get to dominion, you can have a stronghold of positive, of righteousness, of deliverance that is dominion. And so David not only slayed Goliath, but because he had gotten dominion in that aspect of his life, when David got old, his disciples, when Goliath's disciples came to kill David, right? Because Goliath had these four sons. Then David's disciples took out Goliath's disciples because he had translated his deliverance to the next generation. That's why you want to get dominion in areas that's been dominating you because if you really get dominion, then you can translate that to the rest of your family. Not another one of my family gonna go through this. Not another one gonna have go through this illness. Not another one is gonna be incarcerated. Not another one is gonna have the divorce that I had. Not another one. I'm going to get complete victory in this area and then move forward and then my family line will move forward in the positive so that the generational blessing can outrun the generational curse. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, remember, we also told you about these six modes of learning. Why don't you show that on the screen there? These six modes of learning. Right. Last week, we talked to you that there is if you're going to learn anything, educational psychologists say that there's these six modes, reading, writing, speaking, speaking, hearing, acting and interacting. Reading, writing speaking, hearing, acting, and interacting. What happens in school sometimes is that your primary learning style may not be the primary teaching style of the person who's 
giving you the material. And if your learning style and their teaching style don't match, then there's a gap that you have to have and have to close. Does that make sense? Right. If you if you learn primarily um, through 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 interaction and they just and they tell you to sit still and then take a lecture, you're going to have a gap. And then that gap grows over time. All right. You can tell that I, I this this was some real like this was real life to me here. This is how I made it through engineering school. I had to figure this stuff out. Okay. Um, but the, all of these things are baked into the discipleships experience because you should read the word of God. You're supposed to write the vision. You should journal, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed. And then we said, but don't be deceitful hearers on the word, but be doers. You have to act upon the word. And then... You're supposed to overcome by the word of your testimony where you interact with other people to maintain. Now, the first four is good to start, but if you don't get to those last two, you're not going to hold it. If you only do the first four without the last two, you will be a wasteful information gatherer, not a person with deliverance. Okay. So make sure, now I want to do all of them. But I want to get to the point in anything that I really want to have both um, deliverance to the level of discipleship and dominion in, I've got to be able to act on it with consistency. And then I need to be able to interact around it. What teachers learn is, if you teach it, you won't forget it. Yeah, the teacher learns as much as the student because they're interacting around the truth. All right, and so you, you want to, to do that. All right, we ended last week with a few scriptures. I'm going to show you one, and then I'm going to tell you a story, and uh, then I got one list for you today, all right? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. What you want to do is to not always, we talked about it in previous sessions, not always have a yo-yo type of uh, interaction. Bring me in closer, media. Bring me in closer. Hallelujah. Um, you don't want to have a yo-yo salvation. Now, um, look at our scripture here, Philipp, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You can get to the point where you have practiced a principle and gotten the food of it and ingested it to the point that your body works with you, not against you. Right? Ever seen somebody um, who had a habit of smoking, but then they really got delivered? I mean, they don't even like to be in the room with it. They just like, they whole, they whole body repels it. Because they don't see now they are at they're beyond just trying to not smoke. Okay, 
Their, their senses are, no, are now exercised in that area. And that's what I'm telling you is that's, what, that's God's best. Your God's best is not that we struggle with the same thing over and over and over again and stay at the starting line and having somebody that needs to keep teaching us when we should be able to teach others. So I want to make sure that you get a picture that's different than the picture that Alcoholics Anonymous gives you. Hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. 30 years later, you still an alcoholic? I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad because you didn't had a, a thing, but like, you know, like your whole life, you supposed to, no, man. That's not the will of God. All right? Um, now, you may have struggles all your life, but they shouldn't be the same ones. That's all I'm saying. I mean, so you, you should have a life that's growing in God and going in God. So um, I'm not sinless, but I should sin a lot less each day. The devil shouldn't be tripping me up at the same starting block on the same issue for my whole life. That's what this scripture is saying is that you should go on a solid food. You should be skillful in the word of righteousness in the sense of not just having right relation, right, right, uh, right standing with God, but able to live out his right standards. Right? You should get victory in specific areas of life. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. Um, if I mature in that area, then take the scripture down, John 14, 30. Jesus said, the enemy is coming, but he doesn't have anything in me. Satan uses the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life to attach himself to your, to your life. And so what you want to get to the point is, is that you have gotten the root of the lust out of your life such that when he comes, he can even throw it up and it doesn't, it has nothing to attach on in you. All right. That's, that's the goal. The goal is to get to the point where when he comes, he can throw the same old thing but the old you is gone. So even though he's throwing the same old move, it can't get to you because the old you has passed away. Okay. And so that's the thing that you ultimately want to, to, um, to get to the point of. And so Pastor David, how, how do I get to that point? I mean, you know, I, I understand the discipleship aspect I understand, you know, I need this, I need a real desire. I need to put a demand on it. I understand that I, I may need to exercise some diligence to act on the word. I understand that I may have to get some discipline. And so I may have to have a time when I am enforcing the obedience, even when my feelings are working against me. I understand that I may have to have some people, some mentors and some principles that I'm beginning to, to, to align my life with over time, following, imitating those who through faith and impatience are inheriting promises in areas that I'm not free in and I see they have a freedom in, I get all of that, but how do I get to the area where I dominate that thing? Well, how do I get to the point where that I can reproduce my victory on demand 
in this area of my life? Man, because it seems like, man, my struggles happen on a, on a cycle. I have routine emergencies. It comes back on a cycle. I, I seem like I get free. But then somehow I find myself stuck back in that same old thing. Well, um, let me tell you a story. Um, it's a story I told you about. Remember the story I told you guys about Lady Nedra and I when we was on a plane and I had the panic attack? Remember, Remember that story, right? How the enemy, um, I didn't even really knew I had a fear of closed spaces. You had to said it. I mean, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know the gun was loaded. I didn't know, man. I, I, I did not know. I'm, I'm not saying that's not, I'm not, I just didn't know. Okay. Um, and then I didn't realize that I was in situations that made me feel subconsciously like the world was closing in on me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. All right. Because I'm going to help you. I just want to make sure I'm in the right house. So as I said, Lady Nedra and I, we had had a great trip. We had flown out to, to, to Europe. Um, that was literally the closest I've ever gotten to Africa. I could see it. I could see it. I just was too far away to swim. So, um, but I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. And, uh, you know, just one of my dream places that I intend to go to. But um, so we got out very early in the morning. It was a midnight flight um, from Tenerife to, um, to Madrid, I think it was, and then from Madrid back um, to Toronto. And so this short flight, two to three hours, small um, um, Spanish airline, and um, I'm sitting in a middle seat because we were doing this on the, on the price. I mean, you know, it was, you know, we was doing the price we could afford. And man, you know, it's the middle of the night, everybody else trying to sleep. And I'm uncomfortable the whole way. The seats are very narrow. They're very close together. I am very uncomfortable. So my answer to my lack of comfort is I'm going to sleep it out. Somebody know what I'm talking about? I'm in the house when you just, you know, sleep is the drug of choice. All right? I just... I just need, you know, now other people have other drugs. I'm just saying sleep is mine, okay? You know, I'm mad. Don't, don't hate the player, hate the game. All right? And so, but I wake up, and when I wake up, I'm in a panic. My heart is going thumpity-thump-thump-thump, thumpity-thump-thump-thump, thumpity-thump-thump-thump. And I'm having a, a fight-or-flight syndrome. So my adrenaline is racing. The guy, Nedra's normally like, I try to get on the aisle seat so I can stretch up, I can stand up. I could just, sometimes I just act like I'm, get, I'm, I'm taking something down out of my luggage just so I can stand up and people not look at me crazy. Because y'all didn't know I'm a six foot two African-American male. And sometimes people just perceive you as a threat even when you're not. And so... 
um, sometimes I'll just stand up just so people don't think I'm out trying to do something. I'm not. I just I don't need I just need to stand. If I can stand and just move about, I feel okay. But the, it's the middle of the night. The person on the aisle is asleep. And they speak Spanish. And I took Spanish in high school and college, but I don't remember. And that just over there. Calm down, they was what's wrong with you? <laughs> Bruh, calm your happy self down. I was trying. I was trying. I was trying, but I couldn't. So then I had to turn inward and start talking to the Holy Ghost because I said, Lord, if you don't help me, some air marshal going to grab me, <laughs> hog tie me, and put me in a Spanish jail. I need help now. And so I'm like, Holy Ghost, you got to give me some like on time information right, right, right up through here. And so I'm turning inward and then I'm letting the Holy Spirit talk to me. And he brought back some things that I have taught here before. So let me show you this list. This list I've given you before, it said four pictures that are necessary to live to living in newness of life or pictures that are necessary. It was number four that delivered me, but I had to walk my way up to number four. All right. So the first one says, I am crucified with Christ, right? You know, Galatians 2 and 20 tells us this. And you don't just, just, you don't have to put that on the screen media. I just want to have it for the reference. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 6, 5 through 7, these are for your notes. That, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, right? Now, this scripture in Romans says that your old man is crucified. So the first picture that I had to meditate on the plane, I'm having meditation so I can calm myself down. The first picture, I have to imagine that my old man has all of these fight or flight syndromes, but he's stuck up on a cross and can't do nothing about it. Right? When the thief was on the cross, he still wanted to do stuff, but his days of doing stuff was over. A person, so I... I meditate the fact that even though my body is reacting, I am crucified with Christ. That old man can't do that stuff. I would, but I'm kind of stuck up. So I had to take the time to meditate the picture. 
that I am crucified with Christ. Okay. Now, see, that'll work right in the moment when you're being tempted to sin, if you work it. If you can get yourself to the point where you meditate the fact that I am crucified with Christ. Now, people say them words. But right when the thing is tempting you to picture that old man and say, no, mm -mm, he crucified. He, he might even want it, but he, he, he can't quite get there. He's got nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He can't quite get to it. Got it? Crucified. Now, you don't want to stay there because that's a painful way to live. So we go on to the next picture that I am buried with Christ. Romans 6, 1 through 4 begins to talk about the fact that we are baptized with him, buried into his death, right? We're buried into his death, all right? Now, a, person, a person's body has all kinds of impulses, but by the time they dead and buried, the, even the impulse on it is gone. Do you get that? Now I have to imagine that that old man is not only crucified, a crucified person says, I would if I could, I just can't. Right? The thief said, Jesus, get us down off, you know, get down off this cross and take us with you. Right? He couldn't do no more stuff, but he was still cussing and fussing up there on the cross. He wanted to. He hadn't lost his want to. He just lost his ability to. He was crucified. Okay, so when I meditate that I'm crucified with Christ, I can still want it, but I can't get to it. Now, the next level meditation is I meditate that I'm buried with him. Because a person that's buried with him, you know what? I mean, you see that casket here and that person, people, you know, they make fun. Man, he, he was the life of the party. He always had a drink. That body don't want no more drinks. <laughs> it might have been Jones when it was still in the hospital, but there ain't no more Jones in it no more. Once it's buried, there is no more life in it. Once it's dead. Okay, so that's the second picture. Okay, Lord, now, now I move beyond being to being crucified with to being buried. This thing, I'm dead to that. That thing don't have any power over me. It has no ability to control me. I'm dead to sin. All right, then there's the third picture. I am married with Christ. Romans 7, 2 through 4 in the Message Bible. This one I want you to, 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 to read. You have it in the message there? Amen. Romans 2, 7 through 4. 
You shouldn't have any trouble understanding this, friends, for you know all the ins and outs of the law, how it works and how its power touches only the living. For instance, a wife is legally tied to her husband while he lives, but if she killed him off, if he dies, I'm sorry, it didn't say that, she's free. <laughs> if she lives with another man, which while her husband is living, she obviously, she's obviously an adulteress, but if he dies, she is quite free to marry another man in good conscience with no one's disapproval. Look at verse four. So my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, he took the entire rule-dominant way of life down with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. All right? Okay. So can you, can you picture sin as an old abusive husband who you're in a relationship, but you know he's killing you. And then one day, that old dude dies. And a new guy comes up and says, listen, I'm not that old guy. You can be married to me. I know you got all of these issues in your head based on their past life, but that past life is gone. And so the new husband begins to talk you out of all of that stuff. I know you feel in this syndrome like you got to fight or fly because you feel like you're about to die. But he can't kill you no more. He can't. So I'm having these pictures and I'm, my, my heart rate's coming down. Having to slow it down on purpose, I'm having to stop the panting. <laughs> so I'm having to slow my breathing. But this picture is helping me. But the picture that really freed me was this last one. The picture that freed me was that I am carried with Christ. I am carried with Christ. Look at Ephesians 2, 5 through 6. This is the one, this is the place of dominion. This is the place of dominion. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in trespasses, Jesus, made, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, he made you to sit together in Christ Jesus. Now that just doesn't mean like you, like you just needed a place to sit down, like you needed a couch. It's, it's, it's talking about a seat of authority. It's talking about when you go into a courtroom and they say, all rise, and then the judge comes and sits down. He ain't just sitting on any seat. He's sitting on a seat of authority. All right? I, I gave you the story about when Meghan Markle married Prince Harry. When she sits in Buckingham Palace, I mean, she's not the king or the queen, 
but she still got a seat of authority. She is married into it, and now she's been carried into it. All right? You've heard the term in the current political environment about our president. I, I'm not going to go there, okay? So don't hate on me if you don't lie. But one of the questions that they have is, can you indict a sitting president? That doesn't mean that you can indict him if he stands up. That's not what it's talking about. They're talking about the seat of authority that he has in the Oval Office. That's not just any old chair. It's a seat of authority. What I'm telling you is when, when in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. So I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm going to tell you what I did. Right there in the middle of the panic attack, I left the plane and went and sat in heaven down with Jesus Christ. So I, I pictured myself, this scripture, me seated in Christ in the heavenly places, looking down on my body in a plane. And from that seat, I could see that that sensation had no power over me. And my body calmed down. You got to get to the point where you have dominion over the thing that's been trying to dominate you. If you understood your seat of authority, you wouldn't cry out to God and say, God, see what the devil's trying to do to me. He like, listen, you got the seat. You got the authority. Don't just talk to him like he up there over you. Oh, he's 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 the prince of the power of the air. No, no, I'm seated at the second highest seat in the universe. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I, you can't do that. I didn't do it. He raised me up together. I was crucified with him. He raised me up together. He caused me to be married to him, and he seated me in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, Christ is seated far above all principality, power, might, every dominion, and name that is named. If he's seated up there, I am too. Not because I did it, but because he did it. When I got that picture, I was all right. My knees were still hurting, but my heart was fine. You understand? I want you to understand that you need to get to the point where the issue that you're facing doesn't look like it's over your head. Like they're out to get me. That's the man. We never found out who the man is. I can't find his name, his address, his zip code, his serial number. Uh-uh. I've got to realize that there is the man, the man Christ Jesus. And I'm seated with him far above. And the victory he has, he has given it to me. So I have victory over my situation because he does. Is this helpful? Now listen. Right in the middle of my panic attack, I meditated that issue and I calmed right down. Calm right down. Is it, it that, sound, that sounds so metaphysical. It's not metaphysical, it's Bible. It's Bible. 
That sounds like mind over matter. No, 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 no. That's a spiritual reality. Whether or not you see it and believe it to the point that it affects your natural reality, the truth is the truth. You didn't, I didn't make that up. That's your Bible says that he seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But can you meditate that picture to the point where you see yourself, not that everybody can see Jesus, right on King Jesus. No man cannot hinder thee. But hold on, I'm riding with Jesus. So if no man can hinder thee, no man can't hinder me. Now it takes time to meditate that reality to the point where it changes how you look at your situation. But that's the truth that makes you free. If you continue in that truth, you can be just as free as Jesus is because he seated you in the same seat. Now you can do that over a physical issue, over an emotional issue, over a financial issue, over any of the, it's, it's the same truth. Because when he rose, he got victory over all of them. Does that make sense? It's not like that works here, but it don't work there. No, that, that works in every area. Because it's the same truth. He, he got victory over it all. If he didn't get victory over it all, then it wouldn't work. But he did. And I'm still, I'm seated with him in his seat of authority. Satan, you can't indict me. I'm a seated believer. I have victory. I have authority over these things. Come on, let's stand. All right. I will go deeper into that one next week, but did your mind kind of go tilt? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to help you unpack it. I'm going to help you unpack it. The power of what I described to you is that it gave right in the middle of the situation before things had changed. I had changed right there. And that's the thing that I want you to understand as well. Praise the Lord. Did you get something out of this? Go ahead and clap then. Hallelujah. You know, some words are real stretching words. It's not, you know, the concepts are not hard. It's just the reality of walking that kind of thing out. It's not this, there was nothing here that was like way over your head. No, I need to picture that this truth is really true in my life. Yeah, that I'm crucified with Christ. And I'm, 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 if I do this right in the middle of my situation and circumstance, then the freedom will come to me right then and there.